Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Joe Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Sam Amick is going to join us coming up here momentarily, your daily assist. Interested to talk to uh, to Sam. A quick clarification. We were talking about Jordan Clarkson and uh, financially he's going to require some money and might be difficult to retain him. I do want to clear this up because Alex tweeted me. He says the Jazz have Clarkson's bird rights, so there's no worry of losing him in free agency. They have the ability under the rules to pay Clarkson, don't get me wrong, but they mm-hmm. also you know, have to pay the rest of the roster right. and they have to negotiate some things and also keep enough money available for Rudy and Donovan going down in subsequent years. I mean, it's just a little bit more complex than do they have the ability to retain him. But I thought that that was an important distinction to make and I appreciate Alex tweeting in because, yes, under the rules with his bird rights, they they can pony up that dough, but it's a little bit more complex than that. As it always is. Man, I, if you're not good at math... How in the world can you put all those equations together? Well, I mean, I'm, it, I'm not going to get You're a, pretty good at that stuff, uh, Jake. I got For a guy who failed math from ninth grade on, I, you're really good at it. Well, I appreciate that, and I don't think I failed necessarily. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of funny you say that. I don't think people are hiring, uh, you know— uh, uh, literature majors to do their accounting. Yeah, I think that, probably that that's probably a, re- a prerequisite to having an accounting job. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to match up your nouns and verbs and your adjectives in order to do that. So are you good at math? No, I'm more into painting. You're hired. <laughs> Time now for the Daily Assist. Austin, let's get to it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Senior NBA rider for The Athletic, our good friend Sam Amick. What's up, Sam? What's up, guys? Good afternoon. So uh, you headed to uh, to Chicago this weekend or are you headed on vacation? Uh, a little bit of in between, I guess. I, right. I was initially, I was going to Chicago, um, was excited about going to Chicago, and then decided I did not need to go to Chicago. <laughs> we uh, we have a lot of people out there. And I'm sure. I, uh, as Gordon can attest a little bit, you know, you do this long enough, you kind of go, ah, it's fun. But I think I'd rather stay home for a few days. It is a treat to be able to do that, isn't it, Sam? And if I know you right and your priorities, as uh, conscientious as you are about your job, spending a little time with the family is uh, very, very uh, uh, warranted and desired. Yeah, no, you, you're right. And to be honest, and this is NBA-related, uh, I mean, I've shared this with friends and colleagues. I mean, the uh, covering the tragedy in LA with Kobe and the other eight victims. Um, I mean, it, 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 you know, it left me uh, pretty emotionally spent after that week. And from a traveling standpoint, just kind of took some of the shine off this particular trip. Like all of us, you know, all of a sudden you kind of, you know, you're looking through that different prism 
uh, you know, and hopefully for a long time. It's the type of thing that we should all uh, try to hold on to in terms of just appreciating the time we have. But, yeah, you know, all of a sudden, hobnobbing at all-star VIP parties wasn't uh, feeling like the, the mood I was in. Here, here. Sam, we definitely want to talk a little jazz basketball with you, but uh, I want to start out um, talking about the piece that uh, you were working on with Jason Jones and uh, Sham Sharania about the Sacramento Kings because I think it's incredible. Would it would encourage all of our listeners to get to the Athletic and and check it out. But it seems like uh, the the owner, the management, and the head coach are not on the same page. Is that fair? And it's coming out via chat of all things. Yeah, I mean, so the quick backdrop for any of the Jazz fan listeners who don't pay attention to the Kings, they, you know, last year, uh, Vladi Divac, he's been there since 2015 in the the head of the front office role, um, and he decides to fire Dave Yeager, uh, their head coach, who had a very good year, but was who had a lot of friction with the front office. Personality-wise, he's a little bit of an irritant, and they just, he was sideways with management. So they fired Dave. they also fired the assistant general manager who was uh, another guy who, you know, they were kind of sideways with. And they end up, you know, Vlade hires Luke Walton after his Lakers coaching tenure. And at that time, you know, Vlade was kind of riding high. The Kings had been one of the surprise teams of last season. Uh, Vlade got an extension in April, I believe it was, that runs through 2023. And he was just – he never had more juice within the Kings' walls. And then they go into this year, and it's just insane. And this is just commentary on pro sports in general. It's just every time you get reminded that, you know, life comes at you fast and and you can be up on the top of the mountain one minute and then be at the bottom the next. Um, You know, what happened was they – they hired Luke, and this is a little sticky to talk about, but it's – I didn't write about this, but it's like, listen, the second Luke gets hired, he's accused of sexual assault from a a woman in – LA. Now, ultimately, she drops the charges, and, you know, and, and I mean, there weren't any formal charges. It was potentially a civil suit. She dropped that. Um, and so, you know, he's in the clear, but it made for an uncomfortable summer. And um, fast forward after that, and the team has just underperformed. They've had a bunch of injuries, but the, uh, the, the kind of the salt in the wound that just keeps getting worse is that the owner, Vivek Ranadive, is, uh, has kind of buyer's remorse, so to speak, over their choice to, to draft Marvin Bagley the third instead of Luka Doncic. And uh, that's where, you know, Luka is just making life miserable for the Kings this year because it's the combination of their struggles and his successes that appear to be really upsetting the owner. And spinning it forward, the question now is just, what does it all mean? Is he going to make changes in the front office, even though these guys have – a lot of years left on their contracts, you know, or is he going to stand pat? Sam, anytime you have a strong personality, smart personalities in your front office, your coaching staff, all that ownership, you're going to have a disagreement here and there along the way. But hearing you say that just made all the Jazz fans awfully happy that they have the situation that they have here. Uh, it, it uh, That's a different world that you're talking about there from what goes on here. No, for sure. And I mean, even the group chat that you guys alluded to, you know, I think a lot of healthy organizations would say that's not the way to go. And and to be totally frank, guys, I mean, we reported what we were confident in being 100% true, but there's always 
uh, you know, there's stuff left on the cutting room floor that 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 reflected even more poorly on them that, you know, they should probably be happy that didn't make it because we couldn't totally get it over the finish line. But the group chat is you got the owner, uh, the GM, the uh, the chief operating officer, and the, and the head coach, uh, and and also uh, Peja Stoyakovic, the assistant general manager, on a a group chat that they've had all season long, where they you know I mean somebody with the Kings pointed out to me like you know it's not only negative things on there they were getting a little defensive saying if we have a big win you know. Vivek might jump on and, hey, guys, way to go. And so I get that. But, you know, the, the, the only reason we heard about this sort of group chat is because it obviously, you know, certain tough things are said on there that, that ended up getting shared with people. Uh, and, you know, that is, I mean, if, if, if you got your hands on that group chat, I guarantee you there would be some fascinating, uh, you know, insights from the owner on there. Now, Gordon, I don't want to overstep my bounds when talking about Gail Miller here, and you know Gail better than I do, but I'm just going to go ahead and guess that group chat is not her preferred mode of communication. <laughs> I, I don't think so, no. I, I can't state it as fact, but I wouldn't think so. Uh, Sam, let's talk. Well, a- I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, guys. No, I was going to piggyback on, on that joke and say that, you know, there's a reason that, that Mark Cuban invented uh, an app and a company that used to be called Cyberdust, which was an ability to text message people and have that text message instantly disappear. Uh, you know, one of the most involved owners in the history of pro sports at least knew that if, if he was going to be that way, that you should have no paper trail attached to it. Yeah. Uh, Sam, let's talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz. Uh, I think last time we talked to you, they were right at the uh, the tail end of that five-game losing streak, and since then they've won four consecutive games going into the All-Star break, and a lot of that has to do with a little bit more focus, but a lot of it has to do on Jordan Clarkson, who's been averaging 20 points a game, almost 21 during that stretch, and has been such a good fit for this team. It, it's looking like that was a, a pretty much a coup of a trade, no? Yeah, for sure. I you know I watched a lot of that game yesterday, and it's just um, you see every once in a while with these teams where the mixture of talent is such that like a, a guy like Jordan, you know, it's it's like if you put him on a team where he's got to be a top two option, then your team's not very good, and you're asking too much, and it and it looks like you know empty numbers potentially, and and so his you know his reputation was as a guy that could score, but. But you just kind of—it was partly a, a, a negative optic that he, you know, this fit is just wonderful. It seems because the Jazz have become a team that's got you know more offensive firepower than they did in the past, and and he's not asked to carry that heavy a load. And then, ironically enough, you know, he he ends up being kind of freed to carry a fairly significant part of the load, and he's been a really good fit. But part of it is, I think, the pressure that that gets taken off because of that supporting cast around him and the types of looks he gets and, and what the defense is throwing at him and, and credit to him. I mean, he's making the most of it and certainly looks like a, a major X factor for them now and in terms of what they might be able to do in the playoff. So, Sam, the Jazz uh, started a little rough, but then they won 19 of 21. Then they go on a five-game losing skid. Now they win four straight against some quality teams. Uh, I've always valued your opinion because you don't BS at all. What do you make uh, at this point in the break uh, of the Jazz now that they're 54 games into this season with only 28 to go? 
I mean, I think they're really good, and I'm actually getting kind of excited about the playoffs because it appears that the, you know, last summer you guys know, like, one of the main storyline was that because it was the summer of the dynamic duo, you know, instead of the summer of the super team, like if Kawhi Leonard had gone to the Lakers, then it would have been a different story. But because you had these dynamic duos all across the board, and now the Jazz are different because, you know, they already had theirs with Donovan and Rudy, but, you know, adding Mike Conley, which I know hasn't been as impactful as he has hoped and they have hoped, but still another very good player. Um, the parody is is really – it's a real thing right now. And so, I mean, I would put Utah right there with a handful of other teams that I just think are going to be formidable, and it's going to be a matter of who can kind of have the right chemistry and the right mojo at the right time. You know, you look at Houston right now, and they decide to lean into, you know, their five-out small ball, and people locked it, and people gave them a hard time, and they look pretty darn good right now. And, like, you know, if they played the Lakers, and this applies to Utah too, you play a team like the Lakers in the playoffs, I mean, Lakers better be careful because the Jazz are fully capable of beating them. Now, I think the Clippers are still, like, it's weird because I, I don't know if we're giving them too much love just based on the uh, the, the, the paper, you know, what, what they look like on paper. Because, you know, they've racked up far more losses than I think a lot of people thought they would. But, you know, they might be a shade above the rest of the crew. Um, but I think Utah's right there. They're a good squad. Sam, let's talk about the Bucks for a second here, and uh, there's no doubt that they're they're awesome. But the stats nerds would tell you they're historically great, and they're uh, right now. I believe they're the number one defense and number two offense somewhere in the neighborhood. Is is that legit for uh, Milwaukee? Would you call them bar none the favorite right now, or is it still the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers? Um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's the Bucks. Um, in terms of, are you saying we're picking one here? I I would say, are they more a group, or has Milwaukee separated itself? I think, yeah, I got you. Uh, I think it's Milwaukee by itself. I mean, I'm tempted. I'm going to check myself on the you know getting a little enamored with. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like the, the the Lakers lore and the purple and gold, and seeing like the showmanship of this group and how much they enjoy each other and LeBron playing at this level at this age. Like it is, if you ask me who I make sure I watch, uh, it's the Lakers. It just is. I'm just being honest with you guys. Um, but it's just, you know, you got to be an objective basketball analyst and look at it. And Milwaukee is, I mean, I love watching Giannis and, and they are historically dominant and we are sleeping on them. They are better than they were last year. Um, I think it's going to be so interesting because they are so good that we are at the point, this is the only danger zone for the Bucks. is that I think we're at the point where if, if they finish off this historic season in the regular season and, and the record books show, you know, that they're going to be one of X, you know, however many teams that have won 70-plus games and point differential, that's the best in 30 years or whatever it might be, and then they don't win at all, you know, that's the type of scenario that I do think could compel Giannis Kupo to not sign his extension. Um, now, the, the, you know, the inverse of that is also true, right? Like, if they finish the job and win the title, I think all those teams that were hoping to get their hands on Giannis two summers from now are, are likely going to be disappointed. So, two questions for you, Sam. The first one is, 
Did you know that Giannis, when you first saw him play, did you have any idea that he was going to be as good as he is? And who knows, he, he might get better as time goes by. And second of all, are the Bucks or is Milwaukee going to dye that river green again uh, come postseason? What am I missing, Gordon? What did they do to the river? They dyed that river that runs through town, didn't they? It was green. I thought that was a Pacers thing. I remember uh, the Indiana doing that. Oh, uh, I think other the Pacers. Was it the Bucks? I, okay. I thought the Bucks did it last year, and then they lost. But anyway, I'm showing you, my West Coast bias. I don't pay attention enough to the, the East Coast teams. Did you yeah, know? I did mean, you know Giannis was going to be that good? No, I didn't. Not at all. I mean, you know, the guy who never still doesn't get enough love is uh, you know John Hammond, who now runs the Magic. You know, he's the guy who drafted Giannis, and he drafted him 14th. Overall, and it's you know like you you had to do your homework and take a calculated risk, and I mean that's that's just a heck of a draft pick. And and John Horst, now their GM, you know he worked under John Hammond and and was part of that crew that picked Giannis. And it's just you guys got you know you remember when he first came out. I mean he was a beanpole. Um, he just you know you saw a lot of raw talent, but I remember the tone of the coverage at that time. Uh, just being that he, this kid was very intriguing, but it was never, you know, like when Anthony Davis came out, scouts told you that he was like Kevin Garnett or better. And and that's pretty high praise. Um, with Giannis, you know, it was like just maybe a difference maker who can play in the league for 13, 14 years, but nobody talked about him. I don't remember as being an MVP and I still can't get over um, weird little admission, like that. I am so impressed by Giannis's conditioning and then how he's kind of transformed his body that it, I have a hard time figuring out what I think about Nikola Jokic because Jokic is so talented. But you just feel like if he would channel Giannis and, and reshape his physique, that he could be even more of a, a monster. Um, because you just look at Giannis; the guy has added like fifty, fifty-five pounds of sheer muscle and has turned himself into a just an absolute beast. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't think many people saw that coming. All right, Sam, before we let you go, just to defend Gordon, last year before the playoffs started, uh, they did uh, dye the river green with 40 to 50 pounds of green dye, by the way. But what that has to do with anything, I have no idea. Well, it's just kind of, <laughs> if you're going to dye your river, don't you have to win? I, they did it before the playoffs even started. <laughs> okay. All right. Just another ridiculous piece of information there. Thank you, Sam. You're the fair, best. In, enjoy the, the All-Star weekend, especially watching from home. That sounds pretty good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you, Sam. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer from The Athletic and, of course, one of our favorites here on The Daily Assist. No doubt about it. So man. you were right. They, they we got did, Cliff Clavin here. They for... did dye the the river green. So you, you what's you, that river called? The Milwaukee River? Yes. Uh, sure. Okay. You know somebody who I have no doubt remembered that fact right along there with you, Gordon, because he has one of those. <laughs> Tony weird, knows one of those weird memories. That that would be the one and only Tony Parks yeah. who's standing by at the RV show. Tony, you remember that, don't you? Oh yeah, last year. Uh, there uh, you go. As a matter of fact, uh, we were out there. Uh, are you talking about dying the river green in Chicago? No, in, uh, no, 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 Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Oh, Milwaukee. I apologize. I, I was uh, doing some of the other work here, and I heard you talking about that at the end. Never mind, Tony. And I so, take back my compliment. I apologize. <laughs> well, I caught the end of it, and I just heard dying the river green. I'm like, yeah, St. Patrick's Day, Chicago, all-star break, Sam Amick. So that's why I was putting all that together. But I was like, well, that's that's not 
St. Patrick's Day Compliment weekend. Compliment rescinded. Even, no, no, not at all. <laughs> you, not you should at all. take just, it back. Yes, just take because, it back. Just because he didn't remember that particular one, he remembers most. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I, did, uh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, Milwaukee. I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was not, I was not uh, completely dialed into the context of what you guys were uh, going with there. But uh, when you think about something great uh, to put together for the upcoming year where the weather's going to get better, it's with the RV show. And it's right here at the Mountain America Expo Center, 9575 South State Street here in Sandy. Uh, $12 for adults. Kids get in free uh, when they're accompanied by a paying adult. Get your tickets at UtahRVShow.com. We're joined by John Foster, who is here with us. 51st year, by the way, of Motorsports Land Parts and Accessories. How you doing, by the way? Uh, we're doing great. It's great to be back this year. You uh, you watched that jazz game then last night? Oh, huh? uh, yeah, yeah. That was a wonderful game. You're a big-time jazz fan. I know yeah. that. Yeah, it's been yeah. a lot of fun watching those guys. Oh, glad they finished out the uh, first part of the season to the All-Star break. You yes, know, on yes. On a high note. So I was happy to see that. That's Absolutely. Sure. Well, for good, sure. man. And then that means uh, when it comes to the All-Star break, we have the RV show. There you go. We're back at it again, man. Uh, what's the biggest thing you're most excited about with uh, showing people when they come to see you? Uh, this year, we got a couple really cool items. Once again, we got lithium batteries. That's kind of the biggest thing that's really hitting the market now by okay. uh, Lion Energy. They're made here in Utah, which is a great benefit. Okay, they have a lifetime warranty. Um, the next cool thing is uh, Kuma. Okay, Kuma Outdoor Gear. It's our luxury outdoor um, gear that we have. It comes with chairs, sleeping bags, tents, whatever you need to kind of help facilitate your trailer whatever it is mm-hmm. uh those are just a couple of good items i mean obviously we got some other great i mean we bring basically our whole store down here to give it out to your to the general public and give you guys a good excitement and get you guys pumped up and ready for the season oh man i love that man and when they come on down where are you located at here we're today? actually here on the north end of this uh okay. expo center north end of the expo center john we have had the chance to talk about this kind of stuff so many different times yeah. and now the vibe around here is unbelievable it's great and there's great entertainment for the whole family Family, by the way, so sure. you come down here, kids in free, all of that. Um, what I find amazing is this is the perfect state to be able to go out and enjoy this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Where, where's kind 100%. of your go-to place, and what are the places you recommend, and the things you recommend for families in this state? You know, down here, obviously Zion's is going to be one of the greatest areas for kids because they have so many great hikes and stuff. Bryce Canyon's great. Um, you can go up into the Hyuinas with the great fishing. Uh, that's really where a lot of people go for the camping and getting the trailers out there because it's nice quiet and the fishing's great all right man well john i'll make sure that we send them your way when you come to the rv show it's at the mountain america expo center be here they're open until nine o'clock tonight ten o'clock till on friday ten on saturday six on sunday get your tickets at utahrvshow.com twelve dollar tickets for adults kids get in free 12 and under when accompanied by a paying adult so many great things to see especially with motorsports land parts and accessories head on over to the north side say hi to john foster they've been in business 51 years for a reason man that's right let's take come see us absolutely more of the big show coming up next as we continue on with the rv show here at the mountain america expo center 97.5 1280 the zone of the zone Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. 
Want to remind you about our friends at uh, Ken Garf. Uh, get a new Jeep or Ram for less at Ken Garf West Valley Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Duck in there and say uh, hello to those good folks. We've got the Not Sports Port coming up at 4.50. Stay tuned for that. We'll get to more of Gordon's column about the Pac-12 uh, coming up as well. But kind of on that note, Gordon, let's uh, let's get on out to the Sprint special guest line. Uh, lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the play-by-play voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson, back on the big show. Mark, how are you? I'm fantastic. Been a little bit busy on my end uh, the last uh, 24, 48 hours here. <laughs> I suppose you have. I, I bet. Yeah, you've been at the center of the college football universe. And tell us, I guess, what's what's kind of the reaction in Boulder to Mel Tucker leaving? Well, I still think there's a lot of shock. You know, when it first came up last Friday, uh, there was, you know, certainly some smoke at that point in time. And, and I think Buff Nation about went out of their mind because there's been so much positive momentum around uh, Mel Tucker. Uh, you know, it is 14, 15 months he's been in Boulder. And so people were shocked. And then by Saturday night, we got the tweet that said, I'm committed to Colorado and uh, committed to the build and, you know, all the other buzzwords that Mel had in his uh, kind of imaging campaign, if you will. And so then everyone kind of, uh, I think, caught their breath a little bit, thought, okay, we're safe. And then obviously by Tuesday night, everything had turned around. And by uh, Wednesday morning, we already knew that Mel was leaving. So it, it, it's been a crazy day. I still think there's probably a lot of shock going on with a lot of Buffs fans at this point in time. I think any time a coach leaves there might be some exposed nerves, but how this happened, the way it unfolded, the fact that up until literally within hours of him signing a contract in Michigan State, he was still doing media interviews claiming he was com- uh, committed to Colorado. I think this has been real tough, the way it kind of unfolded for Colorado to digest and, and really accept at this point. So a question, Mark, that uh, Jake and I have had, and we've sort of gone back and forth on this, is one, how badly did Colorado want to keep Mel? And secondly, could they have paid that kind of money? Uh, it was it possible for them to keep him? Well, not not at five and a half million dollars. I don't think Colorado was prepared to jump up into the top twelve in college football salaries. So I don't think that was realistic. Did they want to keep Mel Tucker? I think certainly the Buffaloes wanted to keep Mel Tucker. The administration did, uh, but I think as it wore on. I'm not sure how much of an opportunity there would have been. I mean, I know there were at least conversations, but my understanding is it was kind of a half-hearted conversation and and that maybe it wasn't uh, at the point when they finally sat down at the table and really discussed it. After, by the way, guys, having a very serious discussion on Friday night when it first popped up and thinking they had come to – you know, some sort of an agreement or at least a mutual understanding about what it was going to take moving forward. So to have that then within what, 72 hours pop up again and and have another, I'm not sure at that point in time, there was even a lot of opportunity to really keep Mel Tucker at that point. A lot of writers, including the one sitting across from me, have used this as a little bit of a lightning rod about the health of the conference as a whole, and combine that with Mike Leach going to Mississippi State as well. Would you agree with that assessment? If the conference were healthier, would Colorado have been more willing to pay more money? Well, I think I think it's, it's a legitimate conversation, and, and, and I'm not sure you can really connect A and B directly in, in this situation. But certainly, there there are connection points there, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, we all understand. I mean, when the the SEC announces they're handing out whatever it was, 42 or 44 million dollars per school, 
And right now, we're not the same zip code as that in the Pac-12, as we well know. And, and that is problematic. And it's not just going to be a football issue. It's going to be an overall athletic department issue, I think, for all of all 12 schools in the Pac-12. That has got to be addressed. I mean, this cannot continue because which is becoming in the Power Five the haves and the have-nots. And, and the further that I think the Pac-12 falls behind, the more difficulty we're going to have overall as a conference in this regard. So it's uh, it's right now it's it's the you know the the five hundred pound elephant in the room that, that we got to get figured out here very very shortly. I think. Mark, how stacked high is the rancor against Pac-12 leadership right now, namely Larry Scott? Well, I, I think it, it's it's got to be that way in in every single. Uh, I think Pac-12 City at this point, or, or fan, certainly the fan base for each one of the institutions. I mean, listen, it goes down as simple and as personal as the fact that for a large percentage of fans in the Pac-12, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in Eugene, Oregon. There are a lot of Ducks fans that can't watch a game, for goodness sakes. Now, not tonight's game, obviously, but on a large part, if it's a Pac-12 game, a large section of fans can't watch it. Back in Boulder, it's the same way. I joke all the time with fans that as a radio announcer for the Buffaloes, I love it, right? Because we're going to get ears on our broadcast. But I get it. Uh, I'll be honest with you. My wife tonight, sitting at home in the metro area, cannot watch, or I should say on most nights, cannot watch the game because of the television service I have. Now, she's always going to listen to me, but still, that's a personal issue that has bothered, obviously, Pac-12 fans for a long time now. And so then when you take that personal issue and then extend it out to what we're talking about with coaches jumping because they can't get the same amount of money uh, in the Pac-12, this is becoming, I think, a very serious condition right now that, that the Pac-12, like I said, has got to address here in the very near future. You know, Mark, let me back up here for a second. You said your wife always listens to you, Jake and I and Austin. <laughs> uh, our wives don't always listen to us. How do you, uh, how do you work that magic? Well, it's it's the, what I do after the game when I go home and take care of the honeydews that that makes her kind of uh, reciprocate with listening to my ball games. <laughs> he is Mark Johnson, play by play voice of the Colorado Buffaloes. And uh, Mark, this just kind of struck me to ask you about this, and I hate to blindside you with it, but what is the feeling about uh, from Buffaloes fan, alumni, et cetera, about the move to the Pac-12 now that they're they're nine, almost ten years in? Is there remorse leaving the Big Twelve, or are they still pretty happy with that move? I think, generally speaking, uh, they're pretty happy. I mean, if you look at the footprint for Colorado alumni, it was not and is not in the Midwest where the Big 12 is. Uh, that, that just was not the case. Uh, there is an enormous Colorado alumni base up and down the West Coast, and, and in particular, obviously, in California. And so uh, I think in, in large part, from a fundraising standpoint, from an alumni footprint standpoint, it has been a very positive move. Now, you're still going to find – you know, a lot of the old-time Buffs fans that missed the Big 7, Big 8, Big 12 days and then the history that involved. And, you know, last few years here, we've rekindled that relationship with Nebraska, so that, that uh, rivalry's been back around again or come back around again. So th- there are things that they miss, but I, I don't know that, that anybody would say it's been a bad move. I think it's, it's been, in large part, very, very positive, well, maybe with the exception of what we're talking about financially here. Mark, do you think that the, the quote-unquote rivalry between uh, Utah and, and uh, Colorado will turn into a real rivalry at some point? I mean, both in the Rocky Mountains, uh, both geographically uh, within shouting distance of each other. What is the state of it, and what is the potential for it? You know, I don't think you can create a rivalry. You can't force the issue. It has to be something that happened organically. You know, when Bill McCartney got to Colorado back in the mid-'80s, 
and, and kind of stuck a bony finger at Nebraska, who at that point in time was, I mean, the giant of college football and said, we're coming for you. It created a little black. Well, first it created a lot of laughter, to be honest with you. And, and then it created some bad blood as time wore on until they eventually caught him and beat him and then, you know, won the national championship in 1990. And so that's something that happened, I think, organically over the course of time. You know, there was a time, at least that's what I'm told by a lot of the old-time CU fans about when Colorado and Utah we're rivals, but you got to go back long before any of us were probably around paying attention to it. So I, I don't think you can create it. I mean, it's been interesting uh, from a basketball standpoint where Colorado has, has there's been some bad blood that's growing between Arizona and, and USC and Colorado because of you know some of the things that have gone on college athletics and com- comments have been made from a football standpoint. I don't know who I'd say in, in college football at this point for the Buffaloes they've really garnered in the Pac-12 any real rivalry with. But I, I think that's more something that happens organically and, and because of some issue within a game or a comment that's made by a coach or player that eventually festers and becomes something big than, than something you can really force. So uh, we, we can continue to try and play that Saturday after Nebraska or after, uh, after us, uh, Thanksgiving like they did with Nebraska, but I'm just not sure that uh, that's, that's ever going to forge really any kind of real rivalry. I've been trying to uh, look through the old rumor mill to see who might uh, replace him there at Colorado. And, uh, of course, everybody's talking about Eric Bieniemy if he would leave the sure. Chiefs. But I also saw Craig Bowl, and I thought that was interesting. Who are you hearing might be a good candidate? Well, you know, I, I'm probably hearing a lot of the same names here. The Craig Bowl thing's interesting because he has had great success. I, I'm a native North Dakotan, and so uh, I've known about his history and the kind of coach that he can be. And now what he's doing, of course, in his, his move beyond uh, North Dakota State. But I think that one's interesting. Uh, you know, a young guy that's popped up in the conversation, that I'm, I'm maybe a little on the young side, but I think is a, an up-and-coming coach, is Ryan Walters, who's the defensive coordinator at Missouri. When I first got to the Buffaloes in 2004, he was playing for Gary Barnett at that point in time, and he's been kind of one of these young, upcoming guys for a while. His name is Surface. Now, because he is so he's probably, I'm going to guess Ryan's probably 35 or 36, which, uh, you know, doesn't take him out of the, the consideration, obviously, but he, he's just from an experience standpoint, maybe hasn't built the full resume, but he's at least an intriguing guy because he was even a guy when he was there in 2004 and five and six where I thought, well, this guy's going to end up being a head coach someday because he's got that kind of demeanor. So, you know, that's intriguing. Uh, the current assistant head coach, Darren Cheverini's name, obviously, has popped up. So you've seen that. And, and, you know, a number of other names. Andy Avalos, of course, with Oregon. And, and so you've seen names out there. I just, at this point in time, haven't seen one that I, I think is really sticking at this point. I think Eric Bieniemy is probably the natural, probably guy that people are focusing on because of his history, because he's been at CU coaching twice, one of the great players. And I know uh, was kind of the talked about candidate in the NFL that, that didn't get an NFL head coaching job. And, you know, what he's then stepped out of the NFL, out of the college level to come back to his alma mater, I guess, is, is a little bit intriguing. If the monetary uh, playing field were leveled a little bit, uh, Mark, do you th- what is the potential for Colorado's program in both football and basketball? You mentioned some of the success of the past. Is that attainable anymore? You know, I think it is. And, and I say that. And, and fully admitting I'm a little bit subjective, obviously, with, with what I do with the Buffaloes. But I, I do think it is because it is, I think, when you look at, at you know, 17-, 18-year-old recruits in this day and age, there, there is something a little bit enticing or sexy about Boulder, Colorado. There's a hipness to it, if you will. And, and a Mel Tucker, I think, when he got there, and as close as I got to Mel, I, I, he was really trying to utilize that. 
uh, with young people about, hey, you know, Colorado and, and Boulder, Colorado, and all that that Boulder offers is kind of a kind of a hip kind of place, and it's a it's a, a you know, cool place for you to come and be part of. And so, what Rick George has done from a facility standpoint with the Champion Center and all they've done around Folsom Field, I think that's enticing. So, I do think there's an opportunity there, and and obviously, although it's a couple of generations removed. Uh, Bill McCartney proved you could win a national championship there, win a Heisman Trophy there, and, and that sort of thing. So I, I do think there's a great opportunity. I, I think I think right now that thing is poised. Uh, we certainly thought that Mel Tucker was the guy, but obviously he uh, decided elsewhere that East Lansing was more attractive, or at least five and a half billion dollars is more attractive. But I, I do think there's a great opportunity for the Buffaloes. Yeah. Well, Mark, we certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes. We know things have been crazy over the past couple of days, and uh, hey, keep your phone on because we'll have you jump back on when they make that hire. I look forward to it. Take care, guys. Thanks, Mark. Mark Johnson, voice of the Colorado Buffaloes. Very interesting situation. I think Craig Bull would be a home run. That's who I'm hoping gets that kick. I think he'd be a good fit. We'll see. Boy, he was pretty honest about things, yeah. wasn't he? He was great. Yeah. Well, Mark's always been good. We've had him on a few yeah. times, and, and yeah. he's he's been terrific. And that voice, that voice was tailor-made <laughs> for play-by-play. Yeah, it was. I, I want to see. Uh, I want to hear a conversation between he and Scotty G. <laughs> Just drink it in. You, you hear his voice, and I'll tell you what he does for his day-to-day life, and it won't surprise you at all. All right. He's a real-life cowboy. Is he? Roping and wrangling and herding cattle. Heck That's yeah. what he does. Well, he said he had that history in North Dakota, so yeah. that would kind of... Good for him, man. He and Sam Elliott out there on the range. We just we we should have him These on. These here Golden Rockies. <laughs> we should have him on weekly just to hear him talk. Yeah, yes, Bowler, true. Bowler, <laughs> uh, Scotty, and uh, Mark Johnson and Sam Elliott. Those I, are the just voices. Sam Elliott. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I would like to hear him say at some point during a Buffs game. What the hell just happened? <laughs> but could he really recreate the magic of that first call? And by the way, that has what been... What the hell just happened? That, that call has been replaced by, this is not good. as my favorite Scotty G call of all time. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know. They're both good. They're both good. But Mark could probably... I don't know. If he told you straight to your face that you were, you know, from Mars, mm-hmm. you'd probably believe him, wouldn't you? I would. Um, real quick here, uh, we want to remind you about our friends at Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit soundsleepmedical.com. R- really quick, and Austin's probably going to strangle me because we're super late, but do you want to hear, a, 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 um, I, I saw the details of Mel Tucker's contract at Michigan State. They've been released. And it, it How us. about this one? Because whoever Mel Tucker's agent is, is a brilliant human being (laughs) here's one part of his contract if michigan state is sanctioned by the ncaa for violations by the previous coaching staff which we all expect are coming tucker's contract will be extended by a year as of the date the sanctions take effect meaning if michigan state is sanctioned for say three years tucker nets a three-year extension whoa nice i wonder what he's rooting for that is brilliant (laughs) whoever negotiated that contract is brilliant Oh, Can you imagine man. if uh, if if Shark had that in his contract when he took over at USC? <laughs> oh, man. All right. God. Anywho, not sports port coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. I don't know why I'm waving my hand here like I'm doing something profound. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know I don't what know. you're and doing. And it's the radio. So I mean, I think cares. it's the cardigan. I think it's the whole kind of 
literary thing you got going over there. I'm half expecting a fireplace behind you there somewhere. Should I do the politician thing? Why do they always hold their hand like this? Uh, how, about a, like, how about a pipe? More next. How about a backy pipe? You're just in there puffing away. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Moody A could very well end up being one of the best things to happen for the Utah Jazz in off seasons for years to come. Maybe not necessarily with a starting player that's going to go out there and dominate, but even just a guy who can give you something off the bench, be a positive, productive player, because those players are going to want to come to Utah. That's a huge, huge positive. I like to hear that uh, he says it's cool when talking about playing time. The minutes aren't what he would want them to be, but he's paying attention to details, growing as a player, and if Emmanuel Moutier is okay losing some playing time, and the Jazz are better and winning games, then that shows that he has really, as he said, grown as a player. Mm-hmm. And I think that the evidence is there to prove that right now. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? We're going to outer space. Want to come along? Not really. Well, okay, let me tell you how what happened here. I was reading online, and anything that's online must be true, right? No. No? But according to this report, they said the following. NASA has confirmed that an asteroid larger than the tallest man-made structure in the world is currently traveling towards Earth at a speed of almost 34,000 miles per hour. Why do you have to bring up this doomsday stuff, man? Uh, That's a little frightening, right? Which is exactly the feeling I want to experience when listening to Sports Talk Radio. Yeah. According to International Business Times, NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies, I didn't know there was such a thing, (laughs) identified that the potentially hazardous asteroid could come close to intersecting with our planet's path on Saturday. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what they do it for, but we can't come out of a slow record. I don't understand it. At 6.05 a.m. So is that Greenwich Mean Time? All right, so let me let's have a little interlude here, real quick. If that if this were to actually hit Earth, what what would you do? I mean, what what, what would you do between now and then? Mm, um, Other than hope it didn't land right on top of your head, but even if it didn't, it's, it's impossible still... to make those transitions. Seriously, and then you got to go into somebody dying. What would you do? Go home and eat dinner. Really, it wouldn't change your behavior at all? Probably not. Austin, what would what would you do? Spend every dime I have. <laughs> well, I'm reading this and I'm going, holy heck. Well, I mean, this is this is not good. And then uh then I read from NASA that uh they said yes, the asteroid will be coming passing by but it will be nearly 6 million miles away. Uh, so no worries. 
So, let but, me... but I thought for a minute there, I thought, what would you do if, if this thing was going to impact? You know, wasn't this the problem with Haley's Comet? Didn't everybody freak out over that? Everyone thought the end was near. Well, I, how is this a story then? Well, it turned out not to be a story, but it, it was initially reported as a story. So it made me think, well, what if it if something like this were really to happen. Well, I'll tell you what you should do. You should give me a million dollars. <laughs> and then if you survive, I'll give you half back. Yeah, but you couldn't... How could you spend a million... Could you spend a million dollars in 36 hours? Well, I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to keep it because I'm not foolish enough to think the world's going to end. <laughs> but if it were going to end, if it were coming smack dab right at us, think about that for a minute. What would you do? You got 36 hours. That's it. And you're fully functioning as you are now. You're not sick. You're not hampered in any way. What would you do? I bet I could get through a couple of seasons of 90210. (laughs) You wouldn't go do something. You wouldn't. That's doing something. (laughs) Sitting on your butt watching TV. Yeah. Going to go out of this world with, you know, Brenda and uh, (laughs) Luke Perry. I don't know. I'm just saying, man. We all need to prepare, because <laughs> sooner or later something really bad's going to happen, and we we got to know what we're going to do, how we're going to handle that. By the way, it, haven't hasn't science gotten to the point where they can do what they did in that movie? What was that dumb movie called? What was the movie called, Jake? Uh, gone with the wind. No, they sent they sent a team up and they planted a nuclear bomb on the asteroid as it was hurtling toward Backdraft. Earth. What? Ghostbusters two. <laughs> no, what was that thing called? Alice in Wonderland. No, it was the one with uh, with uh, what was it? Stephen Tyler's Harry and the Henderson uh, daughter in it. The Horse Whisperer. <laughs> oh, uh, that thing you do. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, just. Prepare. You don't think about it. I'm not a doomsdayer, per se, but uh, think about what you might do in case of a huge emergency. Like oh, Pee-wee's Big Time Adventure. Don't, <laughs> don't watch out ever, for Large Marge. Don't you ever watch that thing on like the History Channel and other things, the mega disasters? Like, no, I don't. Because like, yeah, what if Yellowstone blows? Joining us now. No, we're all dead. Oh, yeah. She... We're, we're all dead. If that thing blows, that super volcano blows, now, we're dead. Now, a dedication to our dead dog snuggles. <laughs> Joining us now from the RV show at the Mount America Expo Center, Tony Parks, please change the subject. I will be happy to do so, guys. Hey, RVs of America, that is somebody you want to stop by and see. And when you go by all of their different RVs that they have and the display that they have, you don't even have to come into the main room. They are outside of that. And they are front and center. You can't miss them. RVs of America, the Black Series trailers, and Shane Stoffer is with us here today. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, and, and just so you know, we have also another booth in the back oh, in the main area. So we have that? two booths in the all the way back in one of the garage door bays. Okay. Bay, I think it's number four, and then also the southwest lobby. Man. I was uh, walking by there uh, right before we ended up yeah. on the air together. Man, you got a ton of stuff out there. Man. Oh, yeah. Well, we got we got something unique like nothing else. I mean, our trailers, they originally come from Australia, so they're they're off-road rigs. You know, we always make the joke that an Airstream and a Jeep get married and have a baby. And <laughs> it's a Black Series. You know, it's because it's luxury uh-huh. with off-road capability. They're 
unbelievable. Yeah. Like nothing else. So you do everything with these RVs. You sell them. You prepare them. You discuss oh, yeah. them. You breed them. I mean, you make that Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Exactly. We breed them. We, we modify them. We, we're always upgrading things, you know. And, you know, we take them off-road. We go down to Moab, and we do Jeep trails with trailers, which is crazy to think about. No, but no trailer, no trailer, you know, that you see is that capable to do a Jeep trail, you know. Yeah. So super cool trailers. Nothing, nothing like them in America right now. We're like, we kind of got a market for uh-huh. off-road trailers in America for large off-road trailers. So make sure to come by here, Mountain America Expo Center. That is Thursday through Sunday. Today all the way through Sunday. They're open until nine tonight, ten Friday, ten on Saturday, six p.m. on Sunday. Come on by, take a look at all the different things uh, that they have for you and your entire family. See Shane right there with RVs of America with the Black Series trailers to go with it. Thanks so much for a few minutes, man. Oh yeah, no thanks. And don't forget our website and YouTube channel, RVs of America, Black Series. You just type in Black Series trailers, it's us. Cannot miss them. Make sure to check that out. And when you come here, uh, get your tickets also, utahrvshow.com to make sure to take advantage of that. Thanks again, man. Appreciate you. That is Shane Stoffer with RVs of America. When we come back, more of the big show as we're live here today from the RV Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Look how you got like 220 pound 8th grade hands. <laughs> Can we not focus on that? You walk in like, hey Dolores. Hi Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an 8th grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done <laughs> so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, (laughs) Don, can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.